Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now let's dig in. Hi guys, hope you are all well. I wanted to talk a little bit more about those 60 court filings that show where search warrants were served on behalf of the state and prosecutors in regard to the case out of Moscow, Idaho, the horrible case in which four University of Idaho students, Ethan Chapin, Zana Kernodal, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves, lost their lives to a man wearing a mask believed to be Brian Koberger in the early morning hours of November 13, 2022. I reported yesterday, I believe, that dozens of companies, banks, and law enforcement organizations were served warrants, but their contents have been sealed by the judge for fear that they could potentially taint a pool of potential jurors. But what we can see in these court filings are the search warrants and what the authorities were asking the various companies to share with them. What we can't see is all the information and items that the authorities actually received and or seized as a result of the search warrants. What makes this information really interesting is that it hints at the strategies the prosecution may use in its case against Brian Koberger. What's clear from the 60 court filings is that the state of Idaho has been very busy requesting information from all these companies and having tons of Zoom meetings to discuss what information in the warrant may be shared publicly and what information must be kept under seal. Most of the documents related to both Brian Koberger's and the victim's private data, including financial records and social media accounts. The names listed on the various documents include Brian Koberger, as well as each of the four slain students. At first, it seemed to me that Kaylee Gonsalves' name was coming up more often in these documents than Madison Mogan's, but that really doesn't seem to be the case. I've been through nearly all the 60 documents, and I'm really not seeing evidence necessarily of one girl being perhaps Koberger's main target or main obsession. The person who was responsible for delivering the warrants to all the various companies is forensic detective Lawrence Maori of the Moscow Police Department. Maori has been with the Moscow Police for 12 years, and he works the day shift from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. It appears that he sent many of the warrants via email. Note that the dates on which these warrants were served are all different. Some were served as early as November 29th of 2022, and some were served as recently as February of 2023. Those dates are interesting because they allow you to see how the case is developing over time. I'm only going to go through those of the 60 warrants that shed light on the type of information that was being sought and the ones that include the names of the people whose information 
is being sought. I hope that's clear. Let's start with DoorDash. We know that Zana Kernodal received a DoorDash delivery at the residence at 1122 King Road around 4 a.m. on November 13, 2022, just prior to the suspect, Brian Koberger, allegedly breaking into the house. DoorDash has been asked to share all information related to sales, deliveries, purchases, and or transactions made to the student's off-campus house for the period between January 1st of 2022 up until December 9th of 2022. The prosecution is also asking for the names and identification of all DoorDash drivers who delivered orders to the girls' house, as well as full descriptions of all of their vehicles and any and all communications between drivers and purchasers who ordered food for that house. This warrant was signed about 21 days prior to Brian Koberger's arrest, and the Lataw County Prosecutor's Office was asking for all DoorDash orders from the start of 2022, so January 1st of 2022, up until December 9th of 2022. I would imagine that they want to see if Koberger sent any food orders to the girl's house, and they likely also want to rule out any chance of Koberger's defense team trying to send suspicion in the direction of the DoorDash delivery person who delivered the order to Zana early that fateful Sunday morning. Moving on to the warrant served to Extreme Networks, a company out of San Jose, California. On this court filing, it shows that the state is seeking decrypted access to a computer belonging to Kaylee Gonsalves. Moving on to Google, Google received a warrant on January 3rd of 2023 asking for access to Brian Koberger's Google account and Gmail, specifically they were looking for Google account, recent activity logs and connected devices, Gmail messages, including drafts and anything in the trash, Google Pay account information and transactions, the Google Calendar, names of all contacts, all photos, videos and albums, and associated metadata. Google Drive, including all documents, spreadsheets, presentations, and files, and associated metadata, all messages and photos from Hangouts and Chats, location history data, and deletion records. They also asked for Koberger's browsing history, including activity from web and app activity, Google Assistant and Google Home, Google Voice information, call logs, forwarding number, text messages and voicemails, YouTube, including registration email, channel ID, display name, IP logs, and account registration information. They're also looking for Android records for Android devices, including subscriber information and other accounts, cellular carrier information and device hardware information, Google Play purchases made, and applications downloaded. Another warrant was served to Google on December 5th of 2022. This one was asking for all of Kaylee Gonsalves' Google account information. The warrant specifically asks for 
subscriber names, usernames, screen names, addresses, including all mailing, residential, business, and email addresses, telephone numbers, SMS recovery, alternate sign-in numbers, records of session times and durations, and internet protocol addresses associated with those sessions, length of service, and types of services used, means and source of payment, including all credit card and bank account numbers, the content of all emails, including all drafts and all emails in the trash associated with the account, as well as the date and time at which each email was sent, and the size and length of each email. Oh my God, can you imagine how time-consuming it will be for detectives to parse through all these emails and other Google information? Clearly, they need to see if Koberger was communicating with Kaylee and to also see who else was communicating with her and what the nature of those communications were. This can help the state make its case against Koberger, but I'm thinking it could also lead to communications that in some way could help the defense try to establish reasonable doubt. Maybe if Kaylee was communicating with another guy, and perhaps the communications contained information about a fight or threats of violence. Inland Tower Data Dump was also served a warrant, and it asked for records and info related to certain cell towers and records generated by the cellular networks that are in possession, custody, and or control of Inland Cellular, which is a cellular service provider. The warrant says, and I quote, this data is in possession of the service provider and the data may contain evidence of a homicide between November 13, 2022, from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, including the following. A. Search of all records and unique devices, user identifiers pertaining to timing advance, real-time tool, location database of record location information during the following listed dates, times and geographical boundaries, and in parentheses it says distance from GPS points, and then it says GPS coordinates distance from location 0.50 miles, date November 13th, 2022, time 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. So the way I'm interpreting this, it appears that the state is looking for any and all devices that were in the vicinity of specific cell towers that are 0.50 miles away from the house where the crime occurred. I'm not a lawyer, but that's what I'm gleaning from this search warrant. Moving on to the company that manufactures K-bars. In case you don't know, a K-bar is both a type of sharp object and the name of the company that manufactures them. I can't say the K-word because YouTube definitely doesn't like that word. The K-Bar Company is located in New York, and it received a search warrant via email on November 29th of 2022. So this was one of the earlier warrants served. The warrant asks for seven different models of K-Bars. It also asks for distribution information regarding Blue Ridge 
and then the K-word. It also appears that they're looking for information regarding all customers who purchased any of these seven styles of K-bars, including information regarding online banking accounts, usernames, email addresses associated with those accounts, customers' credit card records, all correspondence between customers and financial institutions, any video surveillance of people buying these styles, and more. It looks like they want to know the names of everyone who purchased one or more of those seven different styles of K-bars, and they want to know how each customer paid and all the information regarding those different forms of payment. It sounds like the detectives cannot be sure which precise K-bar style was used in the crime, but the seven styles listed must in some way match the injuries the four students sustained. This is probably the most important search warrant, in a sense, because it can link Brian Koberger to the purchase of a K-bar. So I guess if you can't find the weapon used in the crime, the next best thing is to link your suspect with the purchase of that particular item. I wanted to get the take of an actual attorney, so I wrote to Lori Hellis, and I don't know if you guys know her. She works on the Lori Vallow story. She's writing a book about the Lori Vallow Chad Daybell case. And here's what she told me about these 60 warrants, in her opinion. And I quote They have been papering everyone they can think of looking for possible leads. They have also sent search warrants to Amazon knife stores, and others as well. I think it's a shotgun approach. I don't think they know when or where he bought the weapon. Remember, they play their cards close to the vest. They could know more than they are saying, and some of the search warrants could be to throw people off. End quote. Thank you, Lori Hellis. That's very helpful, and I so appreciate you. Everybody, Check out the Lori Vallow story. Google it and you will find Lori Hellis. She is a retired attorney. I'm going to end it there for today. I'll do the rest of the warrants tomorrow. I hope you're having a great evening and I'll see you next time. Hey, do me a favor, smash that like button. Please subscribe to my channel. Leave me a comment. Consider a membership and I'll see you next time.